subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, you guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. This is the final year we have of this song on the SEC on CBS. Because starting next year in 2024, the Big Ten will be playing games at this time slot at 2.30. It's just not going to be the same at this point. I wonder wonder if CBS will change their music or they'll adapt that for the Big Ten. I I was going to ask you that, too. I've seen some promos, and I thought it had that same musical... Interlude, would that be the right word? You're the, you're the dictionary guy. Interlude, mm-hmm. would that be the right word? I think they're going to... Go to your thesaurus and give me a better word. Musical selection? Yeah, I think that's right. right. Interlude's right. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they're going to keep it because I've seen the same trailer you have for the Big yeah. Ten. It's just going to be weird not seeing it's, the it, SEC it's, on It's CBS. CBS's song. Yeah, it's not the SEC song. Well, Fox bought... The NBA on NBC's song for college basketball, the 90s oh, yeah. NBA on Everything's NBC. Everything's so yeah. Again, if ESPN really wanted to, I don't know how much that actually is worth, but that is a possibility. All right, so the coaches' poll is out. They're out of money at ESPN. Yeah. They don't have money to buy music. I think keep buying a lot of stuff and I'm letting people go. And if you want to jump in they here. gave it all to Pat McAfee. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to jump in here, you can so you can do so on the McClarty Daniel hotline. Again, our number is 877-377-6963. The Arkansas Razorbacks are not in the coaches poll. Top 25. I hope Sam Pittman plasters it on the wall of the locker room saying there's not a coach in this league that respects you. There's not a coach in this league that thinks you're worthy of a top 25 football program heading into preseason. There's is, a little that, tongue, is that true? There's a little tongue-in-cheek sarcasm in there. But from Are you a, making up lies there? There's a little tongue-in-cheek sarcasm. That's what that well, is. It's, like not, it's not like nobody voted for them. They got the 10th most votes of the SEC schools. They just didn't get enough to reach the top 25. Mm-hmm. So your statement would be factual, if they'd gotten zero votes. Zero votes at they all. they did not. Whatsoever. So, starting with the SEC teams, Georgia's at number one. Carson Beck regime begins in Athens coming up in September. They have a lackluster schedule until November. Yet, there's probably going to be a game or two where they're tested. And they're taken to the brink like they were in Columbia, Missouri last year. Maybe it's South Carolina. Maybe it's Tennessee when they go to Knoxville coming up in November. Oklahoma was on the schedule, but the SEC... And the Big 12, I guess, pulled that off, or it was the SEC that pulled that off because the Sooners are joining this next season. It's going to be interesting to see if Kirby Smart and company can do something that hasn't been done since the 30s, since Minnesota do it, and against something Nick Saban ever done. No one's quite, no one's saying that Nick Saban is less of a football coach than Kirby Smart, but Kirby would have that over him if they won three straight national championships. Georgia should be number one in the poll until, I mean, honestly, till December. But, I mean, Tennessee may have something to say about that, obviously. But that's the one big part of the schedule you feel like eh, they, they might get met toe-to-toe that day. And that's a maybe. Um, why would Georgia be anything less than number one until proven otherwise? So, I mean, to me, I would have, I would take exception to the poll if Georgia was anything but number one. It ought to be a unanimous number one. Yeah, they uh, even though they lost a bunch of guys on defense, they've got three SEC slash All-Americans potentially back there in the secondary. They lost some on the defensive line, but they've got stockpiled away in Athens. That's going to be, again, well, their calling card this year. They've got a really good running back. I think Kendall Milton's the one that's down there in mm. Athens right now. So, again, mm-hmm. watch out for Georgia. Not not really an e- not really a difficult schedule until they head to Knoxville coming up in November, and they'll probably end up playing Alabama or LSU for the SEC championship. That should have been the easiest part of voting in this poll is putting Georgia at one. Mm-hmm. Should have been no discussion, no hand wringing. 
I mean, you, that's just the, you, what you write down. Yeah, until proven otherwise, that's probably a, a good uh, a good guess. Dennis in Springdale texted him, and he brings up a good point. It's the point I always come at when it comes to Arkansas's bat or football program. Arkansas does better as the hunter rather than the hunted. You're the hunter in this situation. You're outside the top 25. You're picked fifth in the SEC West. Even with the best duo in the Southeastern Conference, maybe in all of college football, people are still doubting you. College football supposed experts are still doubting you. And I think that just, again, gives more motivation and setup for what they could be starting September the 2nd when they take on Western Carolina. Yeah, well, um, you know, we got some questions on the McClarty-Daniel Hotline about a few other names that are SEC tied, A&M, Oklahoma, who's not in the league yet. And we'll, we'll get to some of those. But, you know, these early season polls, and you really expect a little bit different out of the coaches' poll, but... Um, you know, still brand names matter mm-hmm. and it, it's a projection of what you think. I always wonder, all right, if you had a ballot, are you trying to project where teams are now or where you think they'll end the year? Cause I think that's, that's a good question. open to interpretation in a preseason poll. I'm kind of thinking about here's where I think they're going to be at the end of the year. I think Georgia is going to be perhaps SEC champion. Alabama's up there in the top of the poll. I mean, when you're sitting down and filling one of these out, what's your thoughts coming out of last year, but thinking about this year, where you think things are for week one, or, hey, here, here's the order of finish I believe they'll be in in December. Yeah. Go ahead, Christian. Yeah, I was just going to say, Georgia, you know, I don't think many people will predict them to actually three-peat, but you've got to keep them number one until somebody emerges. That's a good yeah. point. So you, do you think they're going to, if you had to pick a national championship champion right now, would you pick Georgia? No. Because there's a difference. No. I think that's a, a, a it good doesn't, point. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with I don't think Georgia's good enough. I just think the weight and the burden of trying to three-peat, and maybe they, they'll prove prove it wrong. It's just too – there's been 15 – I think 15 other teams try and fail that have repeated and could not three-peat. Alabama couldn't get it done. U.S. said – was USC on that list? Correct. USC's on that list. I mean, some of the, some of the best teams we've seen in the last quarter century – couldn't pull the hat trick off with three. Mm-hmm. So why will Georgia be any different with a new quarterback? And you mentioned this, the defense, all that's true. Their schedule gives them a great chance, but come the end of the schedule, you're going to play Bama or LSU or somebody in that SEC championship game. And then you got to navigate, uh, you yeah. know, two games in the, in the college football playoff. I think if you had to bet money on the bet Sarah snap between Georgia repeating or Caleb Williams winning the Heisman once again, the smarter Ooh. money's on Caleb Williams. Yeah. So, even though I don't, I don't think that's going to happen either, but if you had to pick one scenario to play out, yep. it's Caleb Williams winning back-to-back Heisman trophies for the first time since Archie Griffin. Now, to that question you just posed from, let's see who it is. It is from Jamie May about Oklahoma and Texas ATM being ranked. I think for Texas A&M, Phil Steele has them as the most improved team in all of college football. He has Oklahoma, I think, at two. And I think a lot of people are under the expectation that this year is going to go a lot better offensively for A&M with Bobby Petrino. Oklahoma can't be as bad as they were last year, especially entering the final year of the Big 12. And if they don't if they don't perform, and when I say perform, I'm talking nine or ten wins. If Venables gets like six or seven wins, I can see them canning see him. Norman. I think they he will. could be gone. They will. He will not march his program into the SEC if he doesn't win at least seven games. And I think seven's iffy. It, you know, seven's going to create some conversation. Hey, do we have the right guy for this massive move? This is the biggest moment for Oklahoma football in any of our lifetimes. Moving from what was the Big 8, Big 12 now to the SEC to big boy football, I think they will fire his hind end if he only goes 6-6 six and six again. And here's a, this is a part of the story. It's not a part of the story that I'm happy about or anything, but when it comes to, I mean, his wife was just diagnosed with cancer. So That's that's tough, but if in, you any, think, in college, big time college football, that's uh, but not a consideration. You're facing that pressure. Well, I, hey, you're right. And then you also have to deal with that aspect at home. Something you're, you're, I, you're a thousand percent right that we should be more human about it. Yes, but I don't know with the amount of pressure that he's facing in Norman and then what his wife, and I don't know how how rough it is for, like, I, I don't know exactly what type of cancer We don't know is, the details. Uh, the, the diagnosis or whatever, but that she has it. And that's, a, again, mm-hmm. in Wallet. But you know who gets leeway on that? 
coaches that have been at school a decade or more that have won a few conference titles, maybe a national title, and have built up credit with the fans and administration for sympathy. But and it's certainly that's a that's a a tough situation personally. Yeah. But professionally, how much is on the line for OU? It's a huge season, and um, you know, no one should have to go through and deal with that while also dealing with the pressure of being the head coach at one of the top five or six brands in college football. That 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 in and of itself is enough to break a man. Yeah. Keep getting texts here. Feel free to send them on the McCarty Daniel hotline. Get our number 877-377-6963. We'll pick Steven text in. He's saying there's usually one or two times in a decade that Arkansas football program is considered to be hunted. I would say last year being picked third in the SEC West, having more expectations thrust upon them, they failed, and uh, you could you could chalk that up to a bunch of things. I would probably say injuries at the top of the list, and there were some other things that happened, but injuries probably was being up the most. We'll see how this team does again as the underdog slash hunter role heading into this year. Again, not ranked in the preseason, at least in this poll, picked fifth in the West. I think that's much better for this Arkansas football program than having more expectations thrust upon them. All right, we didn't get far past Georgia when looking at this poll. Michigan's two. Alabama's three, Ohio State four, LSU five. So the Big Ten has two of the top five, the SEC three of the top five. Did the coaches get it right, Ty, with Georgia, Bama, and LSU all in the top five? No hardball early for Michigan. They've got a pretty good quarterback running back combo. Core might be the best running back in all of college football. He's back, and they've got another, I think it's Donovan, it's either Edwards or Johnson that's also playing for them. They're really good. They have beaten Ohio State back-to-back years in that game. That wasn't that my question. In, leading, I'm getting to it. Yes, at that point. <laughs> yes. they are. I would put them above Alabama because of their quarterback situation at this point. But did, the three, SC, did they get it right with three of the top five in there? Of the, of the order of the SEC teams? Yeah. Does LSU deserve to be ranked in the top five? Does Bama which you've got them losing six games this year. Uh, <laughs> does Bama deserve, would you have voted Bama in your top five? Would you put them at third? Yeah, I, w- I would put them in my top five. I think but you got them losing still, three games. Still apprehensive, to, but but it's kind of like you said, is this the preseason or the postseason expectation? I think mm. this is preseason. People would call you an idiot if you didn't have Alabama in your top five. They would call you a moron. If you didn't have but if you in. don't think, if you truly believe they're going to lose three games, how do you put them in your top five? That's a, I mean, I'll, you've talked about the quarterback uncertainty there. That's a reason in and of itself to not yeah. put them in the top five. If you're convicted that they're going to lose three games, I don't know how you would put them in your ballot that high. Because it's still Alabama. I understand why people do that. There's probably people that voted them just so You just like want to be liked. No, it's because it's Alabama and they have the reputation that they have. I would have put True. LSU above them in this top five, but they still... And you also have to factor in, Tommy, just because you lose... They lost two games by three points last year. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make them a bad football team, but it didn't elevate them to the college football playoff. They are still... If you look at this list, they are still a top five team in college football, but that doesn't mean I don't think they're going to lose three games. I think they're better than every single team below them at this point. But that doesn't mean they can't lose on a certain day or fall into a trap or situation. Just because you have someone losing games doesn't make you think that they're a worse football team than others on the list. That's what that would be. I'd agree with that. That would be my response to that. Sorry, I misheard you initially. Yeah, but I would have LSU above them on the SEC. It goes Georgia, LSU, Alabama, at least in the top five sense of the SEC teams on that list. Tennessee's at 10, so you get four in the top 10. Christian, is Tennessee too low or too high? You know, the quarterback situation, if they can pretty much get at least some of what they got last year out of the quarterback position with Hooker, I think they can pick up right where they left off. I know they have some receivers gone from last year's team but they're still pretty good and I was just going to say I think Alabama losing to Tennessee last year I feel like that kind of has tarnished Alabama just the fact that they lost to Tennessee and people think they're they're you know irrelevant now hey we were talking about Georgia three-peating what's more likely Georgia to three-peat or Alabama to lose twice in a row to Tennessee gosh that twice Milton can still sling it 
They still got Brew McCoy. They still got that they, offense. They're, they're, that, they, they're, you know, Arkansas is alone in the camp now of 16 losses. Tennessee had moved out of that camp with a win last year. Yeah. But there were still 16 in a row that Alabama won. That game's in Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah. It, it was it over in, yep. in Knoxville last year. Mm-hmm. So, he, I don't know which, I don't think either will happen, but I think Alabama does beat Tennessee this I, year. But I, I think it's back to at least being competitive more more than it's not you know uh, on an annual basis christian mentioned what hinden hooker did for that offense last year you still got brew mccoy i know bruce dan has talked about him you still got jay or joe milton who bruce believes the best quarterback in the league i mean they're still gonna be really good yeah. are they gonna be as good as they were last year you lost a blitnikoff award winner and heisman trophy type of guy so probably they won't be as good but i could see it happening i mean they they have the offense to beat alabama defensively though the good thing is you don't have to defend bryce young you don't have to defend the best quarterback in college football for Bama this year. Yes, they're at home. Yes, they'll be jacked up after last year. But you don't now have to score 40-something on Bama to beat them. You can beat them in the 20s or 30s. That offense, why, and I heard one of their offensive linemen talking about the ground and pound, which they're probably going to employ a little bit more this year. Tommy Reese is known for doing that at Notre Dame. They're not going to be as prolific offensively, so you won't have to score that amount to beat them this next season. But can you season. score 30 on their defense? Can you score 28 on their defense? That That's always been the problem. Yeah, you don't have to, you know, they may only score 31 points or 27 points, but how do you match it? How do you exceed it? Because well, the, their defense has always been their, the, what, the reason they've won. That's We'll see what Kevin Steele does this year, but the past couple years, Bama under Golding has not been that case. They have not because their offense has been scoring and running more up-tempo and rapid. Well, there's been their more defense, plays in the game, yeah, too. And their yeah. defense has not been as good because that's, again, what that's the realm of college football we live in now with the up-tempo offense. I'll the still more take plays their and, defense. So, oh, they're still really yeah. good. But, I mean, Tennessee hung, what, 52 on them last year? Yeah. yeah. They always uh, had LSU. that one or two games. Yeah, but... but um, Arkansas is going to be able to score. I think they were going to be able to score some points on them this year if things click right. Am I, I right about... it's? I don't know this off time. I'm guessing. Is Chad Morris's team that scored, what was it, 33 points on Bama? Now, they yeah. lost by 30. What, 65 to 33 or what? Something, yeah. something like that. Devontae that Smith. Had Is that, that still the most points you've scored in the last five or ten? On, on Bama? Yeah. I think. I'd have to go back and look. I, Bielema, I'm just, I'm the Bielema years. Here. I know there was one year where we put up a lot of points against 40, uh, 2016, you lost 49 to 31. So okay. I, I, I believe. I think Chad Morris's team scored. Thir- where's my meeting? Yeah, I think, I think 33. Chad, I think that's right. So you lost. You do the, You lost in like the 20s, I think, in 2010 to Ryan. You got clobbered in 2011. 2012, you got beat like 52 to 7. 2013, you got house. 14 is 14 and 13. That was the closest game. I mean, so just score, my point is just scoring points yeah. on Bama doesn't always mean you're closer to beating Bama because Chad Morris had a team that proved that, yeah, you can score a lot of points on Bama. I think they took the week off, <laughs> apparently, yeah. preparing for Arkansas. And I don't remember who they played next, probably LSU or something like that. But, um, you know, just scoring points on Bama's defense doesn't necessarily mean you're any closer to snapping that streak. Yeah. All right, some other notable names on this list. USC 6 We were talking about Caleb Williams potentially reaping it as the Heisman. Florida State's at 8. We'll see how they do against LSU early. That game is in Orlando. Ten, Tommy mentioned Tennessee at 10. Texas all the way at number 12. Week 2, again, they go to Tuscaloosa. We'll see how crazy that game could be. Oklahoma, as we said, is at 19. Ole Miss is at 22, and then Texas A&M is at 25. So tell me why Oklahoma should be in this poll at 19. Sell, uh, sell uh, me on the uh, idea that they're they're a top 20 team. Well, I, again, I'm under the impression that the two schools, they're less fit for the SEC than Texas is. But from a roster standpoint, they return a ton of depth, a ton of lettermen. Phil Steele references they're their second most improved team in all of college football. I think Gabriel's back at quarterback, if I remember that right. Um, they don't, I mean, it's the Big 12. They're playing the Big 12 rather than the SEC. I mean, I think there's a Every, chance. Everything you're saying may be right, but the reason they're there is because they have the brand of Oklahoma. Oh, you're exactly I mean, right. Yeah, no pure question. Pure simple. Say, if it was a blind resume and that had been Kansas State or that had been, you know, pick another, you know, Arkansas or some other middle-of-the-pack Power 5 team, they wouldn't have gotten the votes to get to 19. And I mean, join- just, just, just be honest about it. Them joining the SEC may have actually bolstered their, yeah. their, you know, logo or whatever. Oh, it will. Yeah, because more, more people are going to watch it now. 
more people are going to see Oklahoma, even though they're already a national brand. You're right. It'll, uh, it'll embolden that. Hey, Joe's Grilling Cantina, it's Taco Tuesday. So uh, if you got a wet start to your day, wherever you're at, if you're in the River Valley, get by Joe's today for lunch. Dollar tacos all day. Tomorrow, Wednesdays are Nacho Average Wednesday. Dollar off all nacho platters and all beers, draft and bottled. One dollar off on Wednesdays. Throwback Thursdays bring some of the old Kukos platters back on special on Thursdays. You can check those out. They they are huge, massive platters of great Tex-Mex that uh, have all of your favorites on them. You can choose the one you like. Veracruz, the Acapulco, all the good ones from uh, from the days gone by on Throwback Thursday. So, Dollar Tacos today, Nacho Average Wednesdays, Throwback Thursdays, Joe's Grill and Cantina, and we are, what, 25 days? 25. Felix Jones days out yep. from So, you can watch all the season. games at Joe's on all of their TVs around the restaurant with half-price apps and taps in 25 days. Joe's Grill and Cantina on South 74th Street, across from Harps in Fort Smith. Let's go to the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Welcome in, Brent. Brent, welcome in. Your thoughts on the uh, the coaches poll that was released yesterday? I I have never seen a college get get more love for doing nothing than the University of Texas. <laughs> it's always been that way. Hey, they could they couldn't get out of their own way if they had to. They have not won uh, the Big Twelve since two thousand nine, Brent. They have not hey, won the was, Big 12 since 2009. That, that is, how many years ago is that? The 14, <laughs> yeah. 14, about 14. So they've had uh, three recruiting classes that hadn't smelled a championship, correct? I And I think the one in 09, and I think there was another one back in the 90s. I think they've only won, what, two? So I, I don't know that I, stat. I, I'd have to look, but I think if you look at the Big 12 history, I think there's only two. It's a very small number. OU has dominated the conference championships. I mean, it's not even close. Hey, um, did I hear? Did I hear you guys say that Brent Venables has cancer? Oh, his wife. Uh, his his wife's Earth. been diagnosed with cancer. Oh mercy, goodness! I'm just going to tell you that that is awful mm-hmm. and a terrible thing to have to go through, especially when you're a head football coach. Yeah. Because both my parents went went through cancer, and it's awful. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to tell you. Brent, thanks for the call. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be there next Friday. We'll see you at uh, okay. Hardy's then, buddy. That's where we'll be at. Oh, no, not next Friday. I'm going to be up there for the uh, Week Zero game, Northside versus Southside. Oh. We'll take you to lunch. During the summer months, I know many of you are active, go into the lake, go into the beach, and if you want to live a healthier lifestyle and look better on these occasions, then I've got just the meal kit for you. It's Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and you can get 50% off your order right now using the code HTL50. Just go to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. You're going to save trips to the grocery store. Your meals are going to be ready in about two minutes. They're fresh, never frozen. Plus, they have over 34 weekly restaurant options like bruschetta shrimp risotto and grilled steakhouse filet mignon. They have keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie options. Don't forget about breakfast and start your day right with Factor. Take 50% off right now. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. That's Factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas.
Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. You've already said something about Quinshawn Judkins, which I thought was interesting. Did you have any issue with the coaches' poll? Tommy and I both agree Georgia is clearly the unanimous number one team. But when you go down the list, especially of SEC teams, Tennessee's at 10. Anything stand out to you in the coaches' poll top 25 yesterday? No, I mean, it it does always interest me when, like, Tulane sneaks in at 23rd. I I mean, really? They got Ole Miss week, too. I know. I know. And that's one of the things I was thinking about. I mean, I guess they beat Ole Miss. But they got Ole Miss ranked, what, one spot higher? So maybe they're wanting a nice preseason ranking. How about OU at 19? I mean, they're in the Big 12. Yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't give me heartburn. I mean, I probably got a little more heartburn over, over conferenceless Oregon State being 18. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get into that conversation coming up as well because uh, it's been a seismic week in college sports and college football in particular. So, a very disheveled look. Yeah. From, yeah. From <laughs> the pack, How many pack times well. can we say disheveled or disheveled this we're morning? Going to, <laughs> we're going to do our best to hit the over. I'll keep so. a running tally. All right. So we're already going to have some disagreements on this. Let's go and get into our Pradco Pyramid of Power, the running backs edition of the Southeaster Conference. Who are the best running backs in the SEC? SEC! Let's find out. Perhaps I could be of some assistance. This is the Pradco Pyramid of Power. All right, so we had some disagreements last week of the quarterbacks. Let's see what the running back situation, Tommy, looks like in your Pyramid of Power. Hey, Bruce, let me hand you my glasses here real quick. <laughs> just, just, just look through them. Do you, do you see the red tint here? <laughs> you may accuse me of that because I start at the top with a rocket ride. Top of the pyramid, right. Rocket Sanders, top of the Pradco Pyramid of Power, I'm like you, Ty. I just want to be loved by everybody. I don't want anyone to hate me. Well, I am Rockets. loved by everyone. There's a difference <laughs> oh on that. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get disheveled right out. Don't the door. Don't want to get disheveled. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I got Rocket Sanders at the top. Listen, um, Quinchon Junkins by the numbers and what he turned in last year as a true freshman. Um, we yeah. might add uh, 1,567 yards for him. Rocket had uh, you know 1430, 1443. Rockets average per carries better. That's what I can hang my hat on. Six and a half yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, but I'm going to put Rocket up there because I think when he's balanced with K.J. Jefferson, I think he's poised to have have the kind of year that's going to put him back there on the first bout. These, I mean, you got two two guys at running back that are going to be first team All-SEC in every uh, preseason and postseason All-SEC team. I think these are going to be the two guys. I got Rocket Sanders at one. Then the second level, I start off with Judkins from Ole Miss, who 16 touchdowns, over 1,500 yards, under six yards a carry in 12 starts, nearly 274 carries last year. Uh, so Judkins really is more of like a 1A. I, I'm not going to argue. The only thing I'll say, and I mean, if, if I was in your shoes selling advertising to Arkansas people, I'd pick him number one, too. <laughs> so let me just say that. Uh, I'm just but, seeing if I could stir up your dander here I, a little I'll bit. Say that, I'll say Jeff Lebby and Lane Kiffin, I have a lot more confidence right now in what they're going to call 555 yards a game. They got a, they got a better track record offensively as a coaching staff than Arkansas has right now. That's the only That's thing true. I'll say. I would say talent-wise – he did score more touchdowns. I think there's a little more creativity offensively. Raw talent. Who's going to be a better NFL back? Sanders. I, I, I don't doubt that at all. But mm-hmm. I think statistically, I think I think Quinson's going to have a better year if he doesn't get hurt. Thirty second sidebar here because you say that you, you talk about you talk about Lane Kiffin, offensive minded coach. We talk about you know Saban, defensive minded head coach. When you think about. When you think about Sam Pittman, is he an offensive-minded coach defense, or just an offensive line-minded? No one describes him as he's an offensive coach or he's a defensive-minded co- I mean, he's a he's a line coach. That's what everybody always says about 
him. And, you know, he's an entertaining line coach. I think he's more CEO than he is yeah. one side of the ball or the other in comparison to some of his division peers in particular. All right, so Sanders, Judkins. Here's the one I, I, I think by the numbers and by what he turned in last year as a sophomore, but we know kind of the cloud hanging over him is Jarquez Hunter um, with Auburn. Uh, 675 yards a year ago, but expected to be one of the top backs. Phil Stills got him ranked pretty high. Should he be on tier two, or should, with everything hanging around him, be dropped down, Ty? Uh, Hugh Freeze got asked about him last week. Said he wasn't going to comment on uh, if he, kind of with his suspension or whatever, if he's going to play that first game. I mean, if you make an explicit video and you're still a good football player, you're still a good football player. And maybe the better question is, should he be suspended for a game or two? But yeah, he's... I mean, he's still in that that second tier, I would think. Still sure. really good. Auburn always has a really talented running back. Think about Cadillac Williams, some of the other Ronnie Brown, some of the other outstanding guys they've had over the years. Bo Jackson, I yeah, I'd probably have him where you have him at. If you're a middle of the road football player, you get the shovel. Yeah, yeah, you get, yeah. If you're if you're outstanding, you still get your spot. Tally's at seven right now, yeah, yeah. disheveled. That's eight. I I just thought he was displaying his flexibility and his athleticism, but maybe maybe not. All right, Tier 3, Kendall Milton from Georgia, Jalen Wright, Tennessee, Jace McClellan from Alabama. I'm going to tell you, you get to about five or six in this league, and then it becomes more about what you project and think guys are going to do rather than what they have done at that point. But Milton, Wright, McClellan from Alabama. McClellan's kind of that guy hanging on there, but but he gets the nod probably because of the team he plays for, the name on the front of the jersey. I'm going to give you one I'm surprised you didn't mention. Uh, he's a four-year transfer, Ray Davis I got Vanderbilt. Him next on the list. He's yeah. 2,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, and four seasons at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. I think Kentucky, the one thing you can say about Kentucky over the last five years under Stoops is they have SEC caliber offensive and defensive lines. There's there's no doubting they can. Yep. And you know, in most years, they've not had a quarterback, and they still run the ball effectively. I think this is going to be a big year for Ray Davis, and he'll probably get him on the NFL draft board. I had Ray Davis and then the guy from Florida, uh, Trevor Etienne. I think I'm saying his last name right. Yeah, I had them as kind of the next two, and then I I just kind of quit there. That's that's uh, Travis Etienne's little brother, right, uh, from yeah. Clemson years ago. Yeah, okay, Etienne, right. yeah. Um, Trevor was the, is the younger brother. Yeah, he's, he's really solid. But you bring up, so with Kentucky plucking him uh, from Vanderbilt and then also getting Leary, from they've got a quarterback and a running back yeah. combo transfer that yeah. that have people high on. I mean, Leary, uh, we we saw what he did in the ACC. I know the ACC is different from the SEC, but NC I, State. Yeah, yeah, we'll see if that uh that pans out because that could be a, a combo that we haven't necessarily I, talked about much with so, going up against Georgia. Jalen Wright had 875 yards last year, ten touchdowns, average six a tote. Can he top a thousand? He's not the starter. Jabari Smalls, the starter, had 13 rushing touchdowns, 734. Tennessee's a platoon system. It's not going mean, to – I don't know if he'll get 1,000, uh, but they'll both combine. They'll be 15, 1,600 yards unless one of them gets hurt. You take the – well, Judkins gonna get, is going to get the lion's share of the carries for Ole Miss. I am curious, though, you, you have a rocket one, how Enos goes about the running back room and Jimmy Smith this next year. I was really curious to hear that from, from Coach Smith last weekend because if you remember, guys, 2015, Jonathan Williams gets hurt right before the season. That's why Alex Collins got all those carries. I don't know what they're going to do this next year. Let me give you two key stats about both those guys. I go back to this with – with uh, Arkansas's quarterback situation in KJ. Rocket Sanders, 13 starts. Quinchon Junkins, 12 starts. That's how you get those kind of you numbers. You play every game. You play yeah. and you stay healthy. And that, yeah. that's the key to the whole thing right there. You look at uh, some of the other guys they have on the list. You talk about platoon system, different thing. But, I mean, Wright did get 13 starts last year, but uh, Hunter only had three. Jarquez Hunter only had three starts. I mean, you, you kind of look down the list, yeah. and that's the key to what those guys did. They stayed healthy, and they played yeah. in every game. Here's one I'm surprised you didn't mention, uh, and this is mainly because he's more of a pass threat out of the backfield. Jaquavius Marks mm-hmm. from Mississippi State. He had 582 rushing, nine touchdowns, but he had 48 receptions. And for a running back in the mm-hmm. SEC, that's that's a lot of receptions. And they'll run more that's, this year in Arnett, too. Yeah, that's, that's the Mike Leach. He'll, right he'll, miss, he'll miss the Pirate uh, from that standpoint, but – you know, that, that's NFL gold. A running back that can yeah. catch 48 passes out of the backfield. I mean, that, that's 
That's rare. All right, that's our Pradco Pyramid of Power. And uh, what do we want to do next week? Did running backs? We want to do some on the defensive side next week? Let's do wide receivers since I've already wide done receivers. my homework. All right, we'll do wide receivers. You, probably, you, you probably won't have much rose-colored glasses on that one. Mm, no. I hope no. I Listen, I would love postseason for an Arkansas wide receiver to be on that list. But if you put someone in the top six, I don't think we're doing our jobs so, this next week. All right, so let's talk about college conference realignment and what's going on here uh, obviously last friday was i think it's as big a day as since the day the southwest conference collapsed and all those teams joined the the big eight that became the big 12 i mean it was one of those kind of days where you we literally all watched the pac-12 die last week yeah i mean it, it it's gone the I conference mean, of champions it was it was really gone when uh, sc and ucla joined the big 10 last year i mean that 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 kind of Took away the media market, the marquee teams. Uh, the thing about the Pac-12, and you just said it, the, the all sports, you, you talk about, you're thinking about Stanford and uh, Oregon State and baseball, mm-hmm. national champion caliber programs. Stanford women's basketball is just, you know, they're one of the top five programs. Oregon uh, track is as good as yeah. Arkansas's track program. Of course. Maybe not as many like titles, or, but there's it looks, And Oregon is just one of those, you know, Nike, every kid in America has worn some type of Oregon jersey mm-hmm. over the last 10 years that, mm-hmm. you know, with all the jersey changes, it's just hip, it's cool. Would, would you, because you, you said something that tripped my, my, my brain a little bit. USC and UCLA leaving began the process of the end of the conference. I don't think that's any different than Texas and OU when they moved to the SEC, but somehow the Big 12 managed to navigate around this and they may be as in a stronger position or stronger than the ACC at this point. Well, as the number three of the Power Four, whatever we have left. I think they patched up the holes better. I mean, honestly, it's just as a neutral. When you look at the Big Twelve, do any of those match? Is that compelling on a Saturday? It's more compelling on a Saturday during basketball because Baylor and Kansas. There, there's some still really good basketball schools left, but football. Are neutrals going to watch that? I don't think so. But the pathway to the automatic bid from that league for the college football playoff is so much easier. That's what Arkansas fans often grapple with is if they were, which they weren't, given the opportunity to be in the Big 12, you would have a much better football, but your other programs on this campus would You're suffer. assuming no other dominoes fall. You're assuming mm-hmm. the SEC and Big Ten aren't going to power to broker it and say, you know what, we don't need to let anybody else in this deal. We're just going to have a national championship between two conferences or one conference. I mean, don't think that's not going to happen at some point. What's the timetable on that, if it does? Ten no. years? Uh, Four y'all's I feel, lifetime? I feel better about that than Tennessee winning at Bryant Denny <laughs> or Arkansas back winning at Bryant Denny. Yeah, man, well, no. I mean, it would be a like, they will take the shovel to, to the, all these little conferences. <laughs> it, it, and essentially, that's what you should end up with is the best of the Big Ten, the best of the SEC, in some kind of playoff format. Because that's where the I mean, like you said, until shown otherwise, and I know Big Twelve fans would would have some pushback on that, obviously, but. Um, that that's that's what it should be heavy in. The problem they have is they don't have a chip. Their opinion doesn't matter. I mean, when you're Sankey and you're the Big Ten commissioner, you you know you pretty much have all the power now. So why why would you listen to anyone else? What what could anyone else possibly say to make you not well do that? The networks obviously will have a say. If like I mean they have. I think well, they think well, it depends on thing. what happens with Clemson. It depends on. Yeah. What if anything does Notre Dame do? I'm I'm more inclined that they they hold where they're at, you know. And if Stanford, the other thing with Notre Dame, that's Stanford Notre Dame game in football is a longstanding tradition. What happens with them and their schedule moving forward? If if Stanford's basically relegated to more or less a Mountain West team, you know, is that a game that Notre Dame can continue to play? Why, why wouldn't the Big Ten and SEC grant? Notre Dame permanent involvement in neutral status as independent and just let them let them play with them. Well, that'd be the end of the ACC. And, and, and then they just say, well, in your non-conference games, just play SEC and Big Ten schools. We'll pack stadiums mm-hmm. and, and you can take your full cut. You don't even have to join a conference. Why wouldn't you do that? They still play Navy. so Still play Navy. <laughs> and they should. Yeah, they That's could get important. eight or nine games between those two leagues. Yeah. Dump out of the ACC. I mean, we get to play Vanderbilt every year. Why shouldn't they get to play Navy? <laughs> there you go. But I, I just think it's interesting. And, and you know, what's next? That's 
I, I just don't think the SEC is inclined right now to add a 17th and 18th school. But you can't tell me they're not thinking about how do we keep all the money and the titles for our league, and it might be in alignment with the Big Ten. There, there are things being said in Sankey's office that are there along these subject lines. Yeah. Fantasy football season is here, and Buffalo Wild Wings is your headquarters for your draft party. Buffalo Wild Wings has draft kits that include a draft board and player stickers. You won't go hungry with this dine-in fantasy bundle for your draft party. Get 50 traditional wings, 50 boneless wings, two trays of party wedges, party-sized chips and salsa, and a party queso dip, all for only $150. Plan your fantasy football draft party and get more details at your Buffalo Wild Wings in Fort Smith, Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, and Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Beer. Wings. Football. It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Are you going to be pretty startled by this score? So the women's basketball team is doing something similar to what the men did last year. They won yesterday 124 to 12. 124 to 12. Initially in the game, they jumped on the in-Croatia All-Stars with a 43-1 run. 124-12 victory for Mike Neighbor squad and company. I've seen lopsided scores before, but Tommy, 124-12 is pretty pretty up there. Listen, I'd love to have a free international trip that someone else is paying for. I, I, I think this is paid for with private money from the foundation, but... Is it? I'm sure this is quite pricey to travel the entire operation to Croatia. You would think that if you're going to go on a trip like that, you'd have a little stiffer competition than a team that could score 12. But, uh, you know, it, it it makes you wonder, what are you really accomplishing from a basketball perspective? I think it, what it spotlights is this is a, uh, they'll call it team bonding, but this is a vacation. Yeah, and it's, it's and I don't know. You know maybe the games moving forward will be more competitive, but Practice is more competitive than 124 to 12. The men's basketball team had some pretty lopsided victories on their Euro trip last year, but I don't remember one of them being this extent where you beat a team over 100 points. It's really a bad look for the program, right? It's kind of embarrassing that you get yourself in a situation to play someone that was so inept at being able to compete with you. Now, I don't know what your options are there, but, I mean, don't go there. Play somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know who sets the schedule. I don't know the, the particulars on that. I no. just saw the score and was just petri- not petrified, but I was just blown away from. <laughs> I just being chuckled in that when they came across my email yesterday. I'm like, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Other hog news: Fall camp again, still underway this week. Guys getting going in about in a little over for an hour from now. And uh, you, you guys were talking about snacks during the break. Apparently, the snack cart. During practice is uh, pretty plentiful. You know, they have that snack cart out there in practice. I'm always focused on food, you know. I noticed they got the watermelon slices. I don't think I've ever, they used to have the day where they bring up the whole watermelons, but I noticed they got watermelon slices up every day and the girls are yelling like, fresh watermelon. It's almost like it's a farmer's market or something. I swear, do you guys like that? Is that kind of nice that along with the Powerade or Gatorade or whatever, you get, you get a little fresh watermelon too? Oh yeah, that's one of the new things that we've gotten this year. And so I think it's been really helpful for us during our little break, just get replenished. Yeah, it reminds me of Little League like at halftime. That was Bob Holt talking to Dwight McLaughlin at Hudson Clark. Imagine telling Jerry Jones or Jimmy Johnson or Ken Hatfield that they have a snack cart during practice. Times have changed, y'all. Times have changed. I just found that funny. And even yeah. uh, Good slice of sweet watermelon. It's the spot. Cold, during, sweet watermelon. You kidding? During college football I practice. I wish we had a snack cart in here with some... Some watermelon right now. I would I would take it. Yeah. You can add You like watermelon? Yeah. All right. I feel like you're un American if you don't like watermelon. Or mac and cheese. Now I wouldn't say that, yeah. but watermelon, yes, of course. That, it, it's hit and miss. I don't want to get off track here, but it's it's hit and miss with watermelon. I go to the store, I don't I mean, 
Do you, you know which one to buy, which one to look at? It. You can't see right. it. And you get home and some of them are like pink and they have no flavor. And then you get one that's like juicy red. And it's like full of flavor. I mean, yeah. I don't know how to pick a watermelon very well. Uh, do it's this. 50-50. Next time you walk into the grocery store, bring your own machete and then just start <laughs> yeah. slicing it open. I want and that one. See which yeah. one you like, and yeah. then you won't run into that. Make it problem. a little more difficult to get to the house yeah. that way. Yeah, might be. Uh, Coach Pittman. He was uh, <laughs> speaking of food. Coach Pittman was joking around with Arkansas media the other day. Ain't not skinny anymore, not nor am I. But I mean, that's another <laughs> topic. I I like how he somehow like a lot of these press conferences are boring. It's nitty gritty stuff, and some is some stuff is enlightening. Some stuff you just either goes over your head or you just it's not that big a deal. But he always seems to incorporate some fun and some entertainment mm-hmm. value. Sometimes it's four or five times. Sometimes it's just once or twice. But he can cut up, which is nice. Self-deprecating humor. A lot of these coaches take themselves so seriously they can't say anything that disparages their image. And yeah. he, he, he doesn't mind taking a swipe here and there at himself. At himself. That's good. Hey, I got some good news for us in Northwest Arkansas. If you're an Arkansas baseball fan, Caden Wallace is now going to be a Northwest Arkansas natural player. For I don't know how long. He's reporting this week. I saw the story in Whole Hog Sports that he's moving up again to A. They're hosting Wichita this week. I didn't see any update if he's going to be ready for that series or not, but... It's always good to see former Razorbacks either for the Travelers. I think Isaiah Campbell was a Traveler at one point. Some other players as well. Dominique Fletcher, I think, has, has been in one of those organizations. But now, Kane uh, Wallace, Greenbrier native, is going to be up and back in Northwest Arkansas. I think if fans a, a reason to to go out and watch. I think the more they can get players with Arkansas ties to play in Northwest Arkansas, the better their crowds would be. At least in theory, that that would be the way it is. Yeah. Last thing here in your hog update, and end on a somber note. Dudley Dawson put this out yesterday. Charles Ballantyne's funeral is going to be this Saturday at 1 o'clock at the Mount Comfort Church of Christ in Fayetteville. I saw that uh, that news yesterday. So, again, I think most of you all know this. Charles Ballantyne passed away at the age of 60 this past Wednesday. It's almost been a week since his passing, but the funeral arrangements, again, have been announced for this weekend. That is going to do it for your Hog Update this morning. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. All right, still a lot of stuff to get into. Tom Murphy of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette and Whole Hog Sports is going to join us coming up in just a bit. Tommy, uh, I missed getting to this. We're talking about snacks and stuff. It was National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day, Cookie Dough Day earlier this week, or maybe it was last week. If you had the choice between cookie dough or a cookie hot out of the oven, which one are you going with? No, hot out of the oven. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a spoonful of just raw cookie dough, but nothing like the smell of cookies coming right out of the oven. What about you, Christian? Cookie dough or hot out of the oven? Hot out of the oven, man. See, I'd go with a glass of milk. I'd go cookie dough. I've just always been. Cookie dough ice cream's my favorite. Grow up eating cookie dough. Yeah. I would probably say in this situation, I'd rather have cookie dough, a cold cookie dough, freezer cookie dough. My wife always said, that's got raw egg in it. You're going to get sick. Did she tell you that? Uh, Give me another spoonful. (laughs) That's good you have someone that's protective and cares about you. She's worried I'll eat all the cookie dough and there won't be any left for the cookies. (laughs) The cookies themselves. Speaking of watermelon, I said to go on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Zach says you got to look for whichever watermelon has the darkest orange field spots. And Jason and Joplin says the yellow spots on the watermelons are what you're looking for when you're picking them. So I I guess I need need like a cheat sheet. I need a card I carry in and... I guess compare with pictures. Here's the one I'm looking for. Oh, well, do you? I struggle to pick a good watermelon. Do you buy them every week, every two weeks? How long do those last in the craft house? Well, they, a, a water once once they're cut up, they don't last long. I mean, you can keep one in the fridge for a week or two. But we, man, we and I haven't made a trip over to Cave City. Normally, we go to Cave City and get a few and. Man, they're good. Bring one back for the fellas, if you could. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials. Materials, glass, wood, plastic, just ask. You can get
get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. We always appreciate the perspective of Tom Murphy, who now joins us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline, Whole Hawk Sports, Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Tom, you've been watching fall camp the last couple of days. I know that certain players have said certain things about their teammates. In your opinion, who are a couple of guys that have made waves these first couple of days? Well, that's a good question, Ty. And uh, I just want to say I always appreciate being on the show with you guys. So, um, I would say uh, Andrew Armstrong's had the best uh, opening of camp, in my view, from you know making tough catches, getting open, that kind of perspective. Although uh, I wrote about this today, that he had a, a kind of an outbreaking route, like a flag or whatever you want to call, in the end zone, and uh, as he made his break, he the, there wasn't enough room for um, Jacoby Criswell to to get him the ball in there, and so the pass led him out of bounds. And Dan Eos brought him to the side and was like, hey, you've got to lean into your defender and, and give the quarterback more room. And so, uh, you know, just a teaching point. Uh, but from the physical skill standpoint, jumping for balls, uh, good hand-eye, all that speed, Andrew Armstrong's had a good camp. Um, you know, Ludie McLaughlin has. Um, I think KJ's had a fine camp. Uh Rocket Sanders has been off to a really great start. Landon Jackson would have had a sack in um, the fastball starts two days ago on Chriswell. And I think what we're seeing is there, Deke Adams is really doing a good job of mixing up the uh, fronts and like giving different guys looks with the ones. And I mean, it has been ongoing. And uh, the depth that we talked about at end may end up trickling over into, you know, their rotation at defensive tackle. Um, we'll have to wait and see, and they they wouldn't be able to withstand, you know, multiple injuries at tackle as well as they could at maybe some other spots. But all in all, I mean, you know, I'm sure they're knocking on wood and crossing their fingers, haven't had any major injuries that we know about, and uh, so far so good in this camp. When you stack up Armstrong, Tesla, Satania, Stevens, and I know Stevens and Satania were on the team last year, but. Tom, where do these guys, relative to what you saw in last fall camp, stack up in your early opinions and ob- observations heading into the year? Well, it's it's hard to match up this group with, say, you know, a, a group that would have been Hazelwood, Landers, Keytron Jackson, you know, last year, mm-hmm. uh, Warren Thompson. Um, but, you know, they've recruited to height and they've recruited to speed. And so... Satania is going to get the ball. They are going to throw screens to him. They are going to try to get him deep because if he catches it and he has any space, he can make guys miss and he can outrun people. That's a great combination. Um, Tesla, we saw after a, you know the first couple of days of camp. I'm like, oh, this kid, you know, he's out of his, you know, he's out of out of his element. And I'm t- I mean, in spring, but he came on and he came on and he was making great catches. And I and you know, KJ Jefferson trusts him and. I think he's going to be in the top wave of wideouts. And so um, I guess if you're comparing, uh, they're tall like Hazelwood and Landers were and Keytron last year, um, and they're fast. And just because they came from lower levels, um, Sam Pittman pointed out the other day, these guys developed later. So it would be a heck of a story if those two, uh, we're talking about um, Armstrong and Tesla, if they – really develop together and become a great one-two combo, you know, the SEC network and stuff later in the year, they'll be doing a little, you know, feature on this, that these guys came from lower level schools and now they're tearing it up in the SEC. Tom Murphy joining us on the McClarty Daniel hotline. You, you referenced spring practice and making the comparison. Let's go a step further. What are two or three bullet points or two or three things you've noticed that, Hey, from when we watched in spring and granted you're getting to see 20 minutes and it, Hadn't reached the point of full pads till later this week, but what's two or three things that jump out to you? Hey, that's 
that's different from March and April. That That's different. So what's standing out to you, the improvements uh, with this team, both personnel-wise and uh, just performance-wise? Right. Good question. Um, the first thing is when the first two units of defense go out, if you've got Booker and you've got Kiwi Rose, you've got, you know, two 300-pounders to add into. You know, I, I thought Cannonball had a, a good season last year, and then – Torian Carter was on the verge of a breakout before he tore his knee up two two springs ago. So, with you know, add Eric Gregory to that mix, and you've got five three hundred pound guys who are, you know, agile and you know athletic guys. And I mean, I thought Cam Ball and Torian Carter would be a good one two to start, but if Booker can give them reps and Kiwi Rose can help them, and Eric Gregory, that will allow Eric Gregory to to go wherever they need him. Um, they could have depth at D tackle. That stands out to me. Just their overall team height and team. Sam Pittman said this from the outset: we need to get bigger, and we need to get stronger and 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 faster. And so you, they're recruiting to all those elements, and that's what helps you win in the SEC. And you know, then you got to have good skill players and catch some breaks along the way. But it's a good starting point. And he saw it developing before his very eyes at Georgia into a national championship caliber program. And he was a part of that build, and so he's just imprinting that here at Arkansas. We've been comparing last year's defense, which gave up more yards of passing than anyone in college football, um, particularly at the Power 5 level and, and, and FBS level. Compare and contrast what you're seeing in the teaching, the personnel. Uh, any noticeable differences in the practices you've seen so far, the way they're preparing the defense? Right. It's hard for us to get a real, you know, real big handle, a great handle on if teaching methods are any different. Um, I do think they're going to try to be as multiple with their personnel as Barry, o, uh, Barry Odom had the, the uh, secondary last year. Um, but they've brought in guys who, you know, last year McLaughlin, this year Snacks Johnson, Jaheim Singletary that were, you know, um, power five caliber cornerbacks that weren't getting on the field as much as they wanted. And, and here at Arkansas, they're probably going to get a chance. And I think at some point, one of those guys is probably going to slide over to nickel, which they're now call, calling the hog, and uh, try to get the best five in their secondary on the field. I think Al Walcott will end up being one of their bigger hitters and a guy they really need at safety. Um, and so if you compare him with Clark and, and Chavis, and Jaden Johnson, then, you know, you're going to start having a little depth at safety. They still need to be better cover people, mm-hmm. and they need to come up and tackle better, but I think Walcott will help. Um, mm-hmm. But just all in all, um, there's a lot of changeover in personnel. I mean, there was a ton of transfers from the defensive backfield, and they brought in a ton of transfers, um, and they just need to hit on, you know, a good percentage of those, and they might have the depth and the talent to – to withstand and, and improve those pass defense numbers. You use the word multiple, but I think the, the fact that they're going to go four down linemen more or at least three down and maybe walk somebody up uh, and crowd that line of scrimmage more, I think will help the pass him get after the quarterback and uh, you know try to make him uncomfortable. I thought that was something they weren't aggressive enough with last year. Yeah, and, and that's the, you know, when you really look at last year's team and break it down, 42 sacks. Okay, great. That's a school record. But um, the middle of the field got, I mean, you think back to certain games, Mississippi State, BYU, uh, South Carolina, uh, Missouri State, and um, Kansas late in the year, they they tore them up over the middle of the field. And when it, when it came, you know, at crunch time, teams moved the ball on them, um, whether, you know, crossing stuff or – they were making the, the nickels and the safeties cover – and I thought the cornerbacks held up relatively well. I mean, McLaughlin didn't give up a touchdown until the Liberty game. And then when Quincy McAdoo came on, you know, he was a revelation at cornerback. It's a shame they, they probably won't have him this year. But um, I lost my train of thought other than to say um, that I, I, they're, I, they're not going to be as bad. They're not going to give up as many yards defensively uh, through the air this year. Talking with Tom Murphy, Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Whole Hawk Sports on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Tom, one of the things we learned from talking with Coach Fountain over the weekend is that it still looks like A.J. Green is kick returner, Bryce Stevens is punt returner, but Isaiah Satania is going to factor in that mix. Cam Little's back. You lose Jake Bates. How important is special teams for this squad in 2023? Yeah, they, um, they lost some hidden yardage battles early in the season. 
Fletcher's got to be a better punter, bottom line. Uh, he's got a good leg, and, I mean, we've seen him at practice. It's just some in- inconsistency. Uh, Cam, you know, if if he kicks the same percentage and changes uh, one miss to, you know, a make against A&M, that's a win on your on your scoreboard. And so um, he I, I, he's a very good kicker. He might end up with an overall um, career uh, field goal percentage record at Arkansas. So I think they're really strong there. I think their coverage units are going to be better this year because I think you're going to see a higher caliber of athletes. You know, your backup linebackers, your backup safeties and that on the field for special teams. Um, I think Satania is an electric kind of guy. He's probably going to have a a breakaway return or two this season, either on punt or kickoff. And I think it sounded to me like they might be leaning toward more using him on kick returns and then, um, uh, you know, Bryce Stevens was a solid punt returner last year. He had a mm-hmm. touchdown against Missouri State and another long return or two. And so, um, I think, I think overall their their return game will be a little better. And just to make a quick point, it sounded to me like Scott Fountain reading between the lines. They're really interested in trying to maybe pin teams on kickoffs and not have as many um, touchbacks this year because the numbers might say you can start teams inside the 25 more often and also not fair catching kickoffs and seeing if they can set up wedges or, and, and just, you know, get a better starting field position than the 25. So I'm sure that's going to be something we'll see play out during the course. Of the year. We'll hear from Kenny Guyton later on at 11:15 today. Tom, is there anything that you've learned that maybe you didn't know talking with the position coaches the last few days? Well, you know, I really appreciate they do this. I'm not sure a lot of teams uh, in the SEC run all their assistant coaches through. Uh, I would lobby for having the coordinators every game week. Um, if we could get to that point, you know, better stories. But, I, you know, we learn about why why they're good recruiters, you know, the way they relate to us, the way they answer questions. Um, Jimmy Smith, you know, I think they started with him last year, and he's just a – a joy to be to talk to. You can see why the kids like him, why his room stays together. Um, and, you know, we got to meet Deron Wilson yesterday, uh, second time we talked to him. You just get to learn a little bit more about their personalities. And I think I think it gives those, co- those coaches a chance to interview better, you know, to, um, re- you know, relate to their kids. Mm-hmm. And, and then what they say is, is on the record. And so, I don't know, I think it's a good – a good um, a mode to get through camp by going through all the coaches is Kyle Parkinson set up. I just think it's a bad policy for a head coach to be the only one speaking it because then it all the, you know, I know they sometimes want all the credit, but then also means all the blame heads their yeah. way. And you make a good point. If you're a, a head coach in training, maybe not in waiting, but a head coach in training as a coordinator, and most are, that's part of learning the job is how to speak to the media when you're not allowed to or not asked to. That's part of the training you are you're missing out on to be a head coach, and it's one of the most important skills you got to have to be a head coach is how no, to com- how to communicate with the media about your program. No question about that, and I tell you, I've, I've said this to you guys before, but when Sam Pittman was an assistant here and he came in that interview room, he made friends like with the media because of who you know who he was, how he conducted himself. He would sit down, he'd usually take his shoes, shoes off, off, and he'd sit down in one of those desks, <laughs> and he'd chat with us, and he'd tell us the way he saw things, and there's no doubt in my mind that earned him points that might have played into the fact he was a, he emerged as a candidate when he was a head coach, <laughs> and so he's got to understand that, hey, that helped me, and maybe these assistant coaches will help them along the way, and so that's probably why we talk to uh assistant coaches now he would do it in season which brett Bielema allowed i just wish we, he'd open up and loosen up a little and we talk to coordinators and from time to time an assistant coach during the course of the year tom we'll leave it there man full pads gets going on thursday we appreciate you joining us on the mclarty daniel hotline and we'll chat and see what that looks like on thursday sounds good see y'all all right tommy i, I gotta share this with you do you know who kelly riley is the actor that plays uh, Beth Dutton? Yes, Kelly Riley, the actor that plays Beth Dutton. She has a very strong English accent when you just listen to her in real yeah. life, but she has to really work to have the 
the vocal delivery she has as, as the character Beth Dutton. She's a tremendous actress and uh, recently asked about season five, which is now again, was well, going to be in July, then got pushed back to November. But the second and half of the final, be, right? Cause it, yeah. They did a mid-season break. Mm-hmm. We're only talking about the last what? six or seven episodes yeah. or whatever. So it's going to be again in 2024. When asked about the ending, she said it's probably going to be beautiful and epic, but I'm not sure it'll be happy. Are they gonna? Are they gonna kill John? I mean, that's that's the only way that this series ends, right? John Dunn dies. And this isn't a season finale. This is gonna be a series finale. Yeah. I mean, th- this show is done. So, would that be the proper way to end this show? With the with the patriarch of the family passing away? I don't. I, I don't know. I'm not a writer. I don't know. But... So. In recent years, like two of the worst endings to TV shows I've ever watched are Game of Thrones and How I Met Your Mother. Do you have a TV show that you loved and then the ending was just yeah, garbage? I thought Seinfeld's last was episode terrible? Was, was terrible. Well, what's his face? Jerry's. I thought, I thought Cheers was great. I mean, uh, you know, that, that I'm going back ending? 30 years or whatever now, but I thought Cheers had a great ending. I guess Mash was the all-time standard and may still be one of the most watched. I know it's amongst the most watched TV shows ever. Didn't it bust Man, like 50 million yeah, for the final episode? Yeah, it was a different era when you didn't have 300 channels and streaming yeah. at your fingertips. But I thought the Seinfeld ending, I love Seinfeld, still watch a lot of the reruns today. Watched some early this morning. But but I thought they, you know, the way they ended the show was terrible. Jerry Seinfeld went on, um, help me, help me with best radio host, um, glasses, dark hair. Stern? Stern, yeah. Mm-hmm. He went on Stern and was talking about, he got offered like, 40 million or something mm-hmm. to, to do another season or something it was an insane number and he just maybe it was 100 and he, and he didn't want to do it but i i have not watched <laughs> tells that, you how much money you have when you yeah, turn down 100 million i have not watched it all the way through but you're not the only one that has said that yeah the whole that. trial deal at the end it was just I, i'm gonna be bummed if, if yellowstone ends and there's and for those again if you want to jump in on the mccarty daniel hotline feel free 877-377-6963 because some series over the course of the majority of the time are great. It's hard, though, to end a great series in the way that everyone wants. And I again, I wonder how the second half, as you pointed out, of season five ends in Yellowstone. Taylor Sheridan has a, a lot of pressure to get this thing right. Now, he's making more money than he knows what to do with right now with the other spinoffs. But I hope it doesn't end badly. I hope we're satisfied. But I tend to think we're not going to be. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think uh, I don't think they have a lot of options, you know. Mm-hmm. And because they had such a limited time of shooting all this, now you got the strike and all these things going on and yeah. Kevin Costner's time being limited. So uh, I'm gonna, there's very few things that have moved me to what I would call appointment TV. And that was our Sunday night appointment. Billions is another series that, and then they really messed it up down the stretch, but it's coming back for one final season. Isn't Bobby well. X back? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if, if he, they never really killed him off in that show. They they just kind of exiled him. Left so, it open for yeah, him. Yeah, so I, I don't know what's going to happen, but they got one final season as well. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.